broadcasting worldwide on internet radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. The Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Previously recorded with Mark as the host of the Mark Kohler Show. Enjoy this fresh take on strategies to better live the American dream. Gosh, another beautiful summer day, and I know many of you are vacationing at this very moment. You're going to be catching this via podcast. Uh, we have a great group of live listeners. I can see you all dialing in right now uh, via phone and on your computer. Thank you so much for those that aren't on vacation and you're grabbing a sandwich for lunch and you're listening into the show today. This is going to be an awesome show. I've got some great guests great topic, and we're talking about how to rehab real estate and do it right, make big money and not lose it, and we're going to bust out all the issues today. It's going to be really, really good. So excited to be with you today, and I know many of our followers and our clients in the law and accounting firm do real estate every day, so this is a topic and a podcast that I know will get um, listened to time and time again. So thank you, many of you that may even be new listeners. Welcome to the show. My name is Mark Kohler. I think I said that maybe already, but if not, I'm an attorney, CPA, uh, author, family man, scout master, surfer, and uh, just hanging out, you know. I guess I'm soon to be wet. I'm going to be doing this ice bucket challenge thing today. I got challenged for one of these charitable pour water over yourself things. Ugh. My wife said, if Matt Lauer can do it, you can do it. And I was like, oh, well, I'm glad my standard is whatever Matt Lauer can do. So anyway, that's that's today. So I'm here with you, enjoying the show and my short respite here from returning emails and consults. And this is one of my favorite times of the week, just being here on the radio show with you. So thanks for being here. Prepared a lot of good info. So as with every week, I want to hit a few little news items, if you will, from our newsletter this week, some important little tidbits and deadlines. Of course, big tax deadline coming down the pipe about three, three and a half, four weeks away is September 15th. Um, Hopefully those catching this on podcast are like, woo, that's over, no problem. But for those listening live and for me, I'm working on some QuickBooks and getting my tax returns done for my S-Corps and LLCs. So any two-member LLCs and S-Corporations or LLCs taxed as an S-Corp, your deadline is September 15th. Do not forget, get your info in immediately if there's any other um, missing parts or items. Please, please be patient with our amazing team at the office if you're working with us at K&E CPAs. They're working around the clock. Um, I know we got Dustin here, one of our resident experts, partner in the firm. He's just a huge asset to clients around the country, and the poor guy's just buried in his office, and they're putting food under the door. So uh, please be uh, patient. But we're going to get things done. Even if it's up to the wire, we'll take care of you. So if you have any urgent requests, call our admin staff, send them an email, and they'll they'll, uh, pass the word along and get you the answer you need. So... We're really uh, 
excited about that deadline being over. So that's probably the biggest announcement right off the bat. Um, gosh, the, the newsletter is just full of so much content uh, today. I, I've got the new deductor, iPhone, smartphone, Android app. Uh, lots of great responses on that. I've been out giving a couple workshops in the last two weeks. We just launched it literally a week ago where you can be tracking your mileage via um, uh, GPS tracking, you can be taking pictures of receipts, throwing them all in a crowd, all on your iPhone app, and it's half the cost of the deductor app on your uh, iTunes or your whatever, your app stores that you would see on your phone. Uh, go through the website link uh, on the newsletter, and you, it's 10 bucks a month, and you get all of those benefits at half the price, so to track and save taxes. Huge, uh, completely... Uh, risk-free. If you don't save 10 times in taxes what, um, through the, the strategies on Deductor and, and my app, um, it's your money back. So check it out. I think you're going to love it. Fall workshop updates. Oh my gosh, Matt Sorensen has a bunch of dates over the next two to three months. I've announced all the fall tax and legal update workshops. And folks, here's the key word. They're updates. If you've been to a workshop of mine, Man, I am trying to bring all the current laws, all the current cases, the current strategies, and throw them down in a more creative way each year. Uh, new stand-up comedy. I've got some new stuff. It's pretty sweet. But, but anyway, we've got five locations from east to west coast. Starting next month, I'm in Delaware, then over to Sacramento, up to Seattle, down back to Orange County, and then out to Honolulu on December 13th. And I've, we, we've reduced the price. I'm so excited about this. It's only a couple hundred bucks for new, uh, new attendees, $100 for one guest with you. And if you're a returning guest, it's 100 bucks. So it's really, really affordable. Uh, I think at the Honolulu event, there will be food involved because you can't go to Hawaii without food being served at every function. Even at church, they're handing out food in every classroom. It's awesome. So there'll probably be some food at the Honolulu event. The other ones, you know, you're on your own for Subway at lunch. But that's okay. <laughs> Very affordable, so check those out. Lots of great little articles in the newsletter. How to protect your gold and silver, asset protection and storage. Really interesting stuff there. I had a consult with a client this last week on that topic, and I said, I'm going to write an article on that. So new stuff. Maximizing the home office deduction, estate closings, what to do if a loved one passes away. We've got a new estate closer on our team, Ray Creel. He's amazing. He's helping families uh, in several states, mostly here on the West Coast, when their loved ones pass away, how to wrap up the estate and uh, make sure the money gets where it's supposed to without fraud and deception and family battles and fights. Check it out. Um, Julie Deck, uh, she wanted me to comment uh, over on the estate planning front. If your kids are going back to school, it's a good reminder. Maybe it's time to update your will and trust and make sure your guardian is selected. So if, heaven forbid, something happens to you, your guardian can get the kids to school. Uh, wipe their noses, feed them breakfast. Who's that person going to be to take care of your family if something happened to you? So think about your estate plan as kids are going back to school. A couple little videos there. We'll talk about, I got my home office deduction video, but we've got one of our resident experts joining us now, the one and only Matt Sorensen, who's got a video on the newsletter today. So we're excited to have Matt with us. Um, first to call in here, I know Matt and Dustin are so busy, so I'll just run to Matt here real quick, but uh, first come, first served, I know <laughs> both you guys, hopefully Dustin, you're staying busy there at your desk, I know you're waiting on hold. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Mark, always a pleasure to be on. Well, I'm a, I, I kind of liked your video, you know, I'm getting some crap for my long surfer hair this summer, 
But uh, Matt's got some serious yeah. Mary sporting in that video today, folks. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. That's what I've been told. So now I'm keeping it short on the sides, trying to keep the gray hair down. I get a lot of gray hair coming in on the sides now, so I, like, keep it short, fluff it up on top. You know, it's, it's a style now. I'm trying to stay hip. Dude, you are hip. You're, you're, you're it. So you're, you're setting trends on your YouTube channel. It's all, it's all people <laughs> yeah. need to know. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, in fact, that's a probably good announcement. I mean, Matt yeah. has launched uh, your YouTube channel. Pretty cool. Yeah, go check it out. Go subscribe. Um, I got my first video up, and it's a, it's pretty dang sweet. But uh, it's really basically setting the basic concepts of what I do in my practice and explaining what a self-directed IRA is. So if you ever come across someone that's like, what's a self-directed IRA? I've summarized it all in four minutes in a um, self-directed retirement plan tip on my YouTube channel, and it's concise and to the point, animated, and uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Great, great um, layout. And um, folks, if you go to self-directed IRA, well, sdirahandbook.com, there'll be links to Matt's YouTube channel. Every week in our newsletter, we hope to have a, a video from Matt's YouTube channel in there as well, uh, even if it's a, a replay, you know, a, a sequel or something. It'll be good. So, <laughs> be good. Yeah, we have some well, new ones already in the pipe, so we'll be good for a while. It'll be good. We're, you're going to have to shoot some from your phone at your desk, I'm sure, so we can get something up. Well, Matt, tell me what, what uh, tip you might have for us this week. Well, I wanted to talk about my newsletter article from last week, actually, um, it got a lot of um, shares and likes in social media and um, a lot of comments, too. So I just want to talk about it briefly and give some quick tips out there on how to raise money. Um, I think a lot of us out there have been hearing all the buzzwords about how to raise money for your business or real estate deal. And there's been this word of crowdfunding out there that's supposedly been like, you know, the next thing on how to raise money and it's going to solve all your problems. And the bummer part about crowdfunding is we're waiting, still waiting for the SEC to implement final regulations on it and let people actually do crowdfunding offerings. And it's going to be a cool, great way to raise money, but it's not the only way and that there's actually a lot of easier ways to try and raise money. And I wanted to kind of go over some of the tried and true the tried and true methods out there to raising money, even if you don't even, you know, you don't even need to go down the crowdfunding route or wait for crowdfunding. Well, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit uh, directly and indirectly um, on our main topic of today's show, rehabbing properties. It's very, very common that um, the, the typical real estate investor that's trying to do a little fix and flip on the side with their day job mm -hmm. or maybe as their primary source of income, they need to raise some cash once in a while. So it's good stuff. Yeah, and and uh, what you'll see in the article here are some great ideas on how to do it because if you have a small business or you have a, a real estate deal where you just need an investor or two or three, um, doing partnership structures or joint ventures are great ways to raise capital um, in an efficient way where you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you can create a partnership relationship uh, bring in some people that have funds and uh, really create a winning strategy to um, complete your business idea or to complete your real estate investment. No, that's good. Uh, well, take us through a few um, 
just kind of a checklist of you. I know we could spend a whole, we in fact, Matt and I folks have hosted several radio shows over the last few years specifically on raising money and how to do it with partners mm -hmm. and how not to. But maybe maybe just give us a punch list, just five ways that people can do some more research on, something nice and easy, a list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, the first quick tip is if you're ever raising money in a small LLC or by a joint venture agreement, avoid the silent partner treatment. Okay, you do not bring in someone as a cash partner and call them a silent partner, so to speak, where they have no say, they just basically give you money, and you go run and do everything yourself. If you're doing that, you're going to run into securities law issues. So if you're working with people who are cash partners, so to speak, um, you need to treat them like partners. They need to have some voting rights. You want to define that in your LLC operating agreement or your joint venture agreement. Now, they don't need to be the day-to-day -day person you know, working on the property or running the business, whatever it is. But they do need to have some key voting rights and protections to protect themselves as an investor, and they need to be involved. And so uh, don't treat them as a silent partner. Treat them like a real partner um, and give them some voting rights. That's tip number one. Okay. Love it. Good, good. Okay. I got one more tip, and okay. then I'll let Dustin get on because I know he's chomping into bits. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tip number two is don't put too many people into a partnership or joint venture structure. So if you have a small little group, you know, let's say it's a little LLC or a joint venture and you've got a few investors in there, that's fine. Give them some voting rights. Um, have them involved in the business. Have them involved in key decisions. Uh, but don't put in, you know, 10 people into one LLC or 20 people into one LLC. And even if you give them voting rights, you're going to have securities issues. So keep this for smaller groups of investors. You know, ideally three to five would, you know, would be good. If you're doing more than five, you might want to talk to an attorney, and certainly more than ten. Um, you know, we're more concerned about securities issues. So keep the group small, simple, and easy, and uh, give them voting rights, and you should have a winning strategy, partnership or joint venture structure that complies with securities laws and is relatively inexpensive to put together. Um, but keep in mind, you do want to have written documents. You want to have an operating agreement or joint venture agreement that outlines some of these voting issues, that outlines the ownership um, interests of each party, and that really defines what the business and investment is. And um, that is a very, very common way to raise capital for the topic you have today, Mark, of rehabs to really any small business startup. Well, it, this is so good. And I, I mean, I want to just share it as is uh, from the heart as much as I can here. My, my consult today at 9.30 a.m. Was, was with a client raising capital and uh, for mm -hmm. rehabs, in fact. And so I, I, I just want to throw this out. If What Matt seemed a little – I'm going to say it a different way just for those that are listening that are like, what the crap is Matt talking about, all this security stuff? And here's the point. If you borrow money from people, you got a note. It's pretty straightforward. You pay them interest cool. But if you borrow money from people and promise them a share of the profit, that's not a note. That's a, that's a partner. And if, they, there's a, if there's a lawsuit, if there, there could be tax ramifications there. So don't think that a note is, oh, I promise to pay you back, plus you get a piece of the bottom line. <laughs> you just made them a partner. And, the, and, and uh, this is when you open the door to lawsuits, and the security stuff means that when you're making promises to people and they lose their shirt, and you don't follow securities laws, that's when people go to jail. Not just get in a lawsuit, go to jail. And so 
we saw a lot of this between 2008 and 2012 when all the real estate deals crashed in that one year. There was a lot of people that were upset that they were given promises, and a lot of people went to jail, and it was scary. So, folks, if you're going to take money from others, make it, make them a partner, do it right, get the right partnership, do a loan, use raising money with IRAs, 401Ks, it's all awesome. Get a consult with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Sorensen. Just get a call. We, we got five attorneys here. We all can talk about this. Yeah, you got, you got Jerem, Kevin. I mean, there's the whole team. We're all up to speed on these issues. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to help, obviously. But, uh, yeah, we got a whole team. And check out my article, too. If you want a little more detail, um, check out my article. It's on my website, sdirahandbook.com. Well, Matt, thank you. Very pertinent topic, uh, relevant for our topic today on rehabbing, raising money with partners and rehabbing. Uh, you got to do it right, and there's great ways to do it. Um, just dot your I's and cross your teeth. Mr. Matt Sorensen, thanks for being with us. We look forward to your article and video next week in the newsletter. Folks, if you're not on the newsletter, go to kkoslawyers.com or knecpas.com or any of our three or four websites and just click right on there for a free ebook and signing up for the newsletter. It's free every week. So please tune in, folks. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. Well, Many of you uh, just joining us uh, may recognize the, the, uh, the stage of the show we're in, and that's doing a couple little legal and tax tips. We're going to be shortly having our special guests come on the line, some experts in rehabbing property, and we're going to talk about ways to make big money and not lose money when it comes to rehabs. That's our topic of the hour. Thank you for joining us here on the Mark Kohler Show. Now, before we get to that incredible exciting topic. We're going to bring on one other expert here, a man that's been sitting multitasking at his computer, doing tax returns in the heat of passion here. We've got Dustin Johnson, a partner at Caney CPAs, buried with stacks of tax returns all around him. Dustin, thanks for joining us. I know you're busy. I really appreciate it. You called it, Mark. You called it. I've got them all sitting right here, and I'm multitasking. But I'll stop for a moment. <laughs> okay, stop for a minute. We need your attention. We need the amazing Dustin Johnson brain power here. With all these tax returns you're reviewing, our listeners here, we want a tip. We want something that you're seeing on these tax returns where people are screwing up. They're not getting the write-offs they should. They're not doing something right. Dustin, rock our world. Well, here's what I got for this week, and it's happened actually a few times in the past week that we've had to take care of this. So it's more uh, – uh, information <clears throat> as opposed to uh, a tax savings, um, but I still think it's important and it's something that our clients need to know, especially if they're uh, doing installment sales. You know, that's one of the big tips that we talk about um, to defer the gains on a lot of our properties. Um, but with an installment sale, uh, sometimes those properties need to be repossessed. Uh, the purchaser stops making the payment for whatever reason. When those uh, properties get repossessed, there's a calculation that we have to go through, and there's a possibility of recognizing a gain on the repossession of the installment sale, and that catches some people by surprise a little bit. Oh, okay. Now, this is interesting because I know many of you listening, uh, folks, you might be having um, a situation where you had debt forgiveness income, or that 1099C for cancellation of debt. But when you're actually the owner of the property repossessing a property, uh, you, you might be in the middle of an installment sale where you're collecting money 
And Dustin, this is really a good point because there is a, a mathematical equation that has to be done on both sides of the transaction, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. No, what uh, and sorry, I'm, I'm getting over a little sickness here, but uh, you're right. What we need to look at, and we'll just kind of be vague in this, if it happens and you need to talk about it, let's please do. But we look at the deferred gains, we look at the principal payments that have been received, um, and we, we go through this calculation to de determine what uh, needs to be included in a gain uh, or as a gain during the current year. Um, but along with that, it goes into back into the cost basis of that property when you bring it back into your uh, on your books. Um, so we've we've got to go through a calculation there. It's not necessarily that it comes on at the fair market value. Um, we we've still got uh, the cost basis that we're that we're looking at. Let me say this another way. For some of you that are listening, going, "What in the crap are Dustin and Mark talking about?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what yeah, happens? Yeah. A lot? And this is on the rehab topic here. So you know, let's let's keep it on the topic here. If some of you out there as real estate investors may be doing a fix and flip, maybe doing a rehab, and it's not. And sometimes rehabs turn into rentals. That's the fallback position. If you can't flip that rehab, you got to pop a renter in there, right? Well, some of you may bring in a renter, you may even sell the property and carry the paper. Uh, you, there's a lot of options when it comes to exiting a rehab property. And so if you're carrying the paper and the person that you sold the property to a year later, six months later, five years later, defaults, there's some weird math there. You're going to take the property back, put it back on your books, and you've collected some money over the time, how much is interest, how much is gain, are you going to send them a 1099-C for cancellation of debt? And this is something that you just can't do on TurboTax. This is where, again, if you're in the rehab business, if you've got rental properties, this is where a CPA that understands real estate is absolutely critical. And, and I, um, I, I, I myself, not in the trenches every day on a topic like this, we have a couple accountants in our office that, that know those, those, those uh, calculations. So. Dustin, this is a tricky one. So you've had two or three of these in the last week, is what you're saying? Yeah, we have. It's it's been a, a topic of conversation here at the office. So I just thought I'd bring it up on the the radio show, let everybody else know about it a little bit. If it's uh, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> sorry, I'm trying to get some out of my throat here. But uh, yeah, if it's something that uh, you know it's it's happening to you as a, a client, uh, give us a call. We can kind of walk you through. Uh, the process, so there's no surprise come tax time. Well, Dustin, thanks for calling in. I know you're under the weather. I didn't know you were under the weather until now. I think we all know you're under the weather now. <laughs> We've heard it, but uh, but we hope you get feeling better, and I know the tax deadlines takes an extra toll on you. Thanks for all your hard work. We really appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. It's good to be on. All thanks, right. Mark. Thanks. That's Dustin Johnson at K&E CPAs. Uh, you can call the main number and get a consult from Dustin after September 15th if you need. I know he's he's buried until then. Well, folks, um, oh, we got one question on the chat line on this securities topic of Matt's. I, I want to respond, and then we're going to bring on our special guests and get into our topic as quickly as possible here. In fact, we've, we've got about five to six minutes ahead of schedule, which is good. Lately, I've been running out of time for our, our main topic of the hour, so I want to get to that right away. There's a question on the chat line from Ray. He said, Mark, are there security issues when you bring in lenders as opposed to partners? 
Well, Ray, there can be security issues. Now, folks, what again, what we mean with security issues, meaning if the person loses their money, they can haul you into uh, federal and state court for security law violations, which is a crime as well as a civil suit to get their money back. And that's heavy duty. So when Ray is asking, are there security issues when you bring on lenders, the structure of the deal has to be properly done so that there aren't security issues. Now, if you bring on a lender and you borrow money from someone and you give them a first trust deed or a second trust deed, or maybe they just give you money and they trust that you're going to pay them back, so you give them a note. Count yourself lucky. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but if you're borrowing money from someone and you're going to give them one or two points, you're going to pay them 10 or 12% interest, uh, maybe more towards hard money type rates, or maybe you're paying them 4 or 5% interest. If it's just interest and points, with security or not security, Ray, you're fine. There's not a security issue there. Someone's loaning you money, they're going to get points and interest. But once you start promising them a piece of the bottom line, that's not a note in, in its truest sense. It's a participating note. They are now a partner. They're sharing in risk. If you don't make money, what happens? Do they get their interest? Do they not get this? Do they get an interest plus a piece? Do they? I mean, all those factors can play into a securities issue where this lender who thinks of themselves as an investor. See, you're going to call them a lender, but to them, they are thinking in their mind they're an investor. They're going to play in the game. They're excited to make some cash. Well, <laughs> that's not your typical lender, meaning if they lose their money, they're going to have a different claim of actions uh, and, and, and things that they can be upset about. So think about it, folks, again, when you're bringing money into a deal. I don't care if you're opening a restaurant or doing a rehab. Either way, you want to make sure you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's. And on that note, I'm going to bring in our incredible tipsters, experts for today, who are wonderful clients and good friends, Kendall Stock and Darren Davis, founders of Sage Investing, LLC. They're national speakers with Renatus Education Group. They've rehabbed over 50 properties with significant bottom line property uh, profit. Many real estate investors are now where, nowhere near the level they are with the expertise when it comes to rehabbing. Their specialty is partnering with self-directed IRAs to produce stellar tax-free, tax-deferred returns for their clients that want to partner with them Notice not lend, but partner with them with their IRAs or 401ks. Uh, these guys are just awesome. And I, I used 50 properties just to be uh, give many of our listeners a little uh, confidence in the quantity of properties they've done. I, I don't want to. Hey, everybody. This is Lisa over in the studio. We'd like to let you know that over in Mark's area, the power has gone out. There is nothing in the office. He will be back on the line shortly. Just hang with us, all right? Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for holding. Just continue holding, and we'll be right back with you. Thank you. Mark should be calling in soon. All right, Lisa, you got me? I got gotcha. you. We're Lisa. back on. Okay. 
<laughs> we're back in the studio. We're cranking. Oh my gosh! I, I hope you brought Darren and Kendall on now uh, as yes, well, uh, Lisa. Hope we didn't lose any of our listeners for this crazy uh, two to three minute delay. I apologize. No, it looks like everybody stayed on and bared with us. It's all good to go. Okay. Well, good, good. Uh, thanks, Lisa, for doing a great job there. Well, I, in the summary of introducing these amazing guys, Darren and Kendall, I also had, was able in my franticness to get on my cell phone. The power is off. I'm standing here in the dark in our Irvine studio. Uh, so I'm on my cell phone now calling in myself remotely. Um, uh, Darren and Kendall, I saw their text. They have, now, they have actually done over well, close to 96 homes with over $2 million in net profit. These guys know what they're doing. Darren and Kendall, thanks for joining us here on the show. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you for having us. It's good to be back. Thanks for having us, Mark. You bet. You guys are awesome. Thanks for your patience. I was so excited to have a little extra time for you on the show, and then, of course, I blew it with this. Of course, it was my fault the power went out. So, all right. Well, okay. Well, oh, my gosh. Okay. Here's what I want, and by the way, folks, if you didn't know this, these guys have been on the show before, I think once or twice before, uh, over our seven-year history here, uh, I'd love to get their tips and advice for, for our listeners. So I'm going to jump right into it. You guys are amazing. We love to hear what you're doing in rehabbing. We know that you teach this topic around the country, and you're also in the trenches doing it daily. What I'd like to do today is let's talk about things to do to be successful in rehabbing, and then on the flip side, let's talk about things not to do that could really uh, slow you down or lose your shirt in a rehab. Is that okay? What do you guys think? That, that uh, sounds great, Mark. I'm, I'm all on board with that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let you know, who's first up to bat here? Give me your thoughts. Tell me what you guys are doing in rehabbing and maybe some of those little tricks and t strategies and tips. If anybody has a question, for today, I don't have email access at this juncture, so you'll have to type it in the chat line. And Lisa, you pop out on here if you've got a question from the chat line for our group. I guess you could, anybody listening live right now, also email. Let's do it. Lisa, L-I-S-A, at kkoflawyers.com. That's Lisa at kkoflawyers.com. And Lisa, you bust out here when there's a question. We'll see how it's going. Okay, so guys, what, man, I love this topic. What do you got? Okay, Mark. Let us. Let me just. Uh, this is Darren. Let me just preface by telling you what we've got going on in the pipe right now, and then we'll get on topic with uh, why we've been able to have the success, and like you say, you know, not lose money. Um, like you mentioned, uh, we have now just purchased our our most recent flip, our 96th property here in the last four and a half, five years. Um, here in Southern California, in Riverside County, uh, South Riverside County here. Uh, we work where we live, um, and because we are here in Southern California, we, we have a little, I, I would say, a little bit different or unique system about going and uh, fixing and flipping properties than, than you may hear on, uh, just on the national level or on a, in a more general level. Uh, we don't do just fix and flips. We also are in a land development deal that's uh, out of state in the state of Idaho that where our clients are, are looking at a more long-term investment, uh, a more seven to 10 year investment where their money may potentially double or triple over those seven to 10 years. And most recently, we uh, are out of state purchasing properties that will be resold 
to end consumers as tenanted uh, rental income producing properties. And so we are we're kind of uh, uh, all over the real estate arena. Um, one reason uh, why we are is one of the reasons why, uh, one of the reasons that you want to uh, have as a uh, reason why we're still in business. Uh, one of the things to do. Sorry, that took about five minutes to get out of my mouth. That is uh, <laughs> that is typically me. <laughs> but one of the things to do is to remain flexible. Um, if you you know if you have a hard rigid system that has worked for you really well, and then the market changes, or if the economy changes, or any of those things, your clients' appetite changes, and you do not change, you are out of business. And so we have remained flexible, uh, especially in the ups and downs of the California real estate market. And uh, uh, that has been one of one attribute of our success. Um, well, one other start. thing, a little. Oh, let, oh, let me interject this if I could. I'm going to keep a little list here, and because I want to, I would really want to summarize this up, maybe even highlighting some of this as next week's newsletter. Um, but I like that first tip: being flexible. Because I, I think I alluded to it earlier, rehabbing one of your possible exit strategies is you end up with a rental. If it can't sell in the margins, you've got to have a fallback strategy. So. I probably alludes to that. You probably had everything from everything imaginable with a rehab that could have gone right or gone wrong. It's happened in these hundred properties you've done. You know, just about. You know, except for the <laughs> real bad. And thank goodness. You know, knock on wood, we have not lost money on any of our uh, on any of our fix and flips. Uh, and you know, we want to keep it that way. And uh, frankly, it's because we've put other good practices. Into, in the place in our business and in our systems. Um, real early on when we, when Kendall and I got started in our business and in our partnership, uh, I mean, some advice that we were given um, was to play to our strengths. I was having a, a text conversation with um, one of our a business associates out here uh, in, uh, in our county, and he was saying, hey, who do you use? to do your accounting and how much does it cost and you know my 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 business partner is thinking about getting uh, quickbooks online and it's going to be $27 a month and I don't know if that's too much to pay and you know and it was like whoa um, you know if you are an accountant and that is something you don't mind doing then go for it but if you are not then hire someone who is an accountant and let them do that and so we have, I mean, we've paid the professionals in our business really well. Kendall says they haven't cost us anything uh, because they've kept us in business. I like it. Okay. Well, I've got one question that's already come over, so maybe this will tee it up for one of these strategies of how to do it, if you don't mind. And this is wonderful info. I know we could. you guys teach full-day classes on this, so we're going to, I know it's going to mm -hmm. feel like we're just hitting highlights here, but... One of the um, this is from Alan. He uh, email uh, emailed this in uh, earlier, so I had this already on a, a post-it. He asked, um, "Where do you find your properties? Where?" And I know it's mm -hmm. going to change from market to market and county to county. Maybe you give us two or three ideas. Uh, 
where can people find rehabs? Because they're not going to see them on the MLS if a realtor is selling them with a sign. It's before they hit the market, I would presume. I, where, where are you finding them? Let me well, jump in. Let me take that one. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's interesting because that, that question comes up all the time. And one of the things that I'm, that I'm going to preface all of this with, the whole conversation here and how we do this, is the first and foremost, you've got to learn how. You've got to learn the rules of the game. Get some education. Get trained. Get, I mean, I've been a student of Mark's for years. Get trained on how to do this. But we hear that question all the time on how to find properties. And honestly, once you know what you're looking for, you'll see properties every single day. Now, in our business, we almost exclusively buy at auction. So that's very simple. Literally, there are lists of properties generated every single day where we can go to auction, we can buy those properties. Now, the downer of that is sometimes we, we've got to have cash. We've got to have cash at the auction in order to purchase them. Networking is another fantastic way of finding deals. I was just recently up in Salt Lake City and uh, visiting some friends up there, and I was talking with one of my students, John, and I said, hey, John, how did you find this house? He found a great house. I mean, he's got a, a six-figure profit potential on this house. And I said, hey, man, how did you find this? And he said, you know what, it was my, it was my daughter's friend. Uh, you know, it was a, it's a situation from his daughter's ballet class. So you've got to network. And then work with agents in your area. Work with other people. Let people know that you're a real estate investor. Allow referrals to come to you. When people understand that you're in real estate, that you solve problems as it pertains to real estate, you know, they'll start coming to you. But frankly, if they don't know that's what you do, they're never going to come to you. They're just going to try the traditional routes of getting rid of their house. So develop systems. Develop systems for finding properties. You can find them on the MLS. You can find them, you know, at auction. And, you know, there's, there's as many ways of finding a property as there are selling properties. <laughs> but those are, those <laughs> well, are let me, I like it. Well, let me interject. I know some of the classes and topics you teach in your workshop is through probate. Um, uh, through the, the notice of default list before they even get to auction, uh, the, the, the auction itself, where is it held every week, how do I get the list. I like the networking. Um, gosh, I, I liked what you said too there about just talking about what you're doing, uh, letting people know that you solve problems. That's such a key word. I've heard people that teach classes on rehabbing say, I'm a problem solver. There's a property that's undervalued, it's a mess, it's a disaster. I want to solve a problem for someone and, and they don't want to be a rehabber. Um, do you feel like that sometimes, that you guys are solving problems for owners of properties? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've, we've had some, uh, well, some houses that we've purchased that have been occupied um, by people who would actually write us letters of recommendation uh, for people that we actually go to do evictions on in other properties because they were so pleased with how easy we are to work with and how well we, can, how well we know the system. Um, because if you really think about it, you've got a lot of people, or there were uh, quite a few people out here in our area that um, were kind of living day to day not knowing if their house was, you know, what part of the process of the foreclosure process, I should say, that their house was in. And they didn't know when they were going to be kicked out or when the sheriff's going to knock on their door or when some you know, uh, uh, investor is going to want to you know, have them pay up or get out. 
And, you know, frankly, we've been able to go in, um, we'd purchase the property at the auction on the courthouse steps, and then we'd go meet with them and just say, hey, you know, we've gone through this process, uh, you know, a hundred times. Uh, we understand the process intimately. We're not here to kick you out uh, on your ear. We're here to help you move on, get to the next step to where you don't have to live in that fear anymore. You don't have to live you know, day to day not knowing what's going to happen next. Uh, many times we're able to provide them with a, a little cash for keys that will assist them in paying for a uh, first and last month's rent. Uh, and then we're able to hire contractors and pay them to go in and rehab the property and then we can sell a real nice-looking property to some uh, to someone on the end here who's looking to buy a retail property in a good neighborhood uh, that's turnkey, ready to go. So I mean, we we really are creating win-win-win-win situations. Okay, now let's talk money here for a minute. And I again, I feel bad. I, you know what? I'm already thinking right now. If it's not next week, we've got to do it the week after is have you guys back on the show for part two, because there's just so much here. <laughs> I'm a, I'm we, you know, we teach class. 16 hours worth of class, so, I mean, we can do this for a month if you'd like. <laughs> That's right. We, we, we'll, we'll show the info, uh, contact info, folks, for you listeners here of where you, how you can um, get in touch with these guys and get, get to one of their classes. But um, So let's just talk money. One of the major barriers I know for a lot of rehabbers is how, okay, I found the property, now I gotta have cash, I gotta have money to rehab, I don't wanna pay hard money rates and get, you know, end up with nothing at the end. I, I know that partnering has been a huge strategy for you guys, we, I even alluded, uh, talked about that in the introduction, that you use a lot of investors with IRA and 401k money. Um, everybody's situation's different, but what recommendations do you have for people as they try to put together that that nut of money, that pool of money they need to really get into the rehab business. Can someone do it that doesn't have a lot of cash? Oh, man, now you're speaking my song. This is, this is what I'm passionate about. Absolutely they can. One of the, you know, the, let's give you a little backstory and let me, let me quantify how well you can do that. You see, I've, I've been investing for about nine years. I've made a lot of money. And then five years ago, I lost everything. And I had to start over. I had absolutely no money. I had a credit score of 473, and I was $300,000 in debt. That's not an ideal situation for going out to start investing in real estate. But when you know what you're doing and when you surround yourself with the right professional, and for those of you who are new listeners, you're listening to the right professional. You're John the Mark Kohler Show. This guy knows his stuff. We have we've used Mark for years and years. And through what we've learned from Mark's teachings and also from what we learned from Matt Sorensen, which they were just talking about at the beginning of the show, self-directed retirement account. That, in my opinion, that is the goose that lays the golden egg. You learn that you can raise capital and you can accomplish your needs by helping other people get what they want as well. You have got the perfect storm. Darren and I have about $3.5 million of operating capital. And the majority of that comes from retirement plans. And we structure it, currently we structure it such that it's a partnership. So we split our profits with our investors. There's also investors where we've done um, debt financing, where we're going to give them, like Mark was talking about, interest, points and interest on their money. But money is, is really not the barrier. People think it's the barrier, but it's really not. 
once you learn how to raise that capital, once you learn how to properly structure the deals, once you learn what questions to ask and how to structure it so your investor is protected, people start, I mean, they start coming out of the woodworks. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. In fact, we've seen, Darren and I have had investors come from the Mark Kohler show. They heard us on the radio, they called us up, and now became our investment partners. So once you learn how to do it, oh my gosh, it's, money is not the issue. You can absolutely get involved once you know how to do it. So, well, Darren, and, and Richard, oh, sorry, I just called you your point, name. Mark. I just did it. I just wanted to put on my two cents and say, you know what, Kendall's absolutely right. Um, don't cut corners. That's only going to make people that invest with you nervous. And so get your paperwork in order. If you're a partnership, be a partnership. If you're going to be debt financing, have your, your note in place that says you're debt financing. If they promise something on the end, make sure they are partnered with you properly and have the appropriate paperwork, the appropriate operating agreement and the signatures on it so that you can be in business and everybody knows exactly what's going to happen whether you make money or you don't. I, I love it, Darren. Great comment. And I was just going to throw a question your way, um, Darren, but you, you, you uh, added to <laughs> Kendall's comments. So let me ask Kendall this. I'll, I'll go back to him for a moment just so we can tag team you guys. Um, Kendall, when you said that people think money is the barrier, what is the barrier? Like, what, what do you think the barrier is that most rehabbers, they don't foresee this as the problem, but really it is? Oh, I think some of the barriers is people not knowing how to, you know, once they found the property, once they get into the property, are you speaking the barrier of what, what creates them, so, what creates challenges so they're not successful? Is that what you're speaking to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, I've got it. So, I said it at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So what what is creating problems for these folks? I think one of the biggest challenges Darren and I have seen with some of our students and others is they over-rehab the property for the area. They, they are going in and they're improving this property to the way they want, that they would want to live in. And that's, that is one of the biggest mistakes that we see is people over-improving properties. Also, we have seen them under-improve properties. So it can, it can go either way. But one of the biggest challenges that I see is people not knowing where those limits are. And then worse, I see way too many novice investors trying to do all of the work themselves. And that is, that is one of the things that's going to shoot you in the foot. Darren and I learned early on, we've, we've done 96 houses now, and we've, we actually did the work on the first four houses we did, and it drove me crazy because I knew that wasn't the challenge. The challenge was if we could raise more money, we could buy more houses, and we could hire contractors to do all of this work for us. And sometimes people are afraid of, of budgeting. They, they, they get worried about, making the dollar, but then they don't, they don't really back into it and make sure that they account for everything appropriately. And, you know, they either over-improve, under-improve, or they try to take on too much of the work themselves. I love it. Um, let's take a quick um, break here and ask Lisa, who's in the studio with power on, while I'm still sitting here in the dark. Uh, sorry, <laughs> tranquil, I will say that. Um, Lisa, are there any questions on the chat line you wanted to quickly throw out for our guests? We do. We have one on the chat line. It says, are the SD retirement account investors investing with Ken and Darren subject to UBIT? Mm -hmm. 
And then I Absolutely. had another question. I did have another question before you guys um, drop me off here. Um, I had a caller, but she may have dropped the line. She was asking about how you fund the property, so I'll throw that one out there too if you get a chance. <laughs> okay. Well, first wow. of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna disclose I'm not the attorney. This is why we hire Matt and Mark. But <laughs> per their per their advice, you know, they've given us a lot of parameters on how we can how many properties we can do within an existing LLC before we run into those UBIT taxes. And what we've been advised is, you know, we can do two to three properties. And honestly, you know, if we're doing three properties, sometimes we get to the point of three to four, but typically that fourth property closes within the next calendar year. So we have not, we have not run into any UBIT taxes challenges. And I'm sorry, Lisa, the second question was how do we fund them? Yes, and yes. she had asked how you fund the properties. Okay, so the way that, and again, this is for a recommendation of our professionals, the way Darren and I operate our business is we run things as a partnership through an LLC. So when we're using self-directed retirement accounts, the LLC is going to be the vehicle that receives the capital, and all of the, all of the paperwork, all of the transactions are done in the name of that LLC. So Mark sets up the LLC for us. The self-directed retirement account invests in that company. It has membership in that company, and then all of our vesting is in the name of the LLC. So it's a direct purchase right in the LLC. I love it. And I will just add, great comment on the UBIT. You hit the nail on the head. I won't say any more. And folks, just keep in mind that when you're the investor in these LLCs, um, the income is generally going to be passive because they're not participating in the management. But Sage Investing, uh, these incredible rehabbers we have on the line, they're needing to make sure that their profit funnels through an S-corp. So even though the entity that's doing the rehabs may be an LLC in order to raise capital and go out at auction or probate and acquire these properties under market value, uh, that's going to be an LLC. But you folks that are listening today, they're going to be the rehabbers. You're going to have ordinary income self-employment tax concerns, Obamacare tax concerns. Make sure you've got an S-corp somewhere in the mix. Um, guys. Can I just share one quick crazy story I had over the weekend? And I want to get your thoughts on, again, the, the things to avoid where you could actually lose money. We've got about five to seven minutes left here. Can I just share this quick example? Mm -hmm. I think you guys are going to love this too. Anyway, I'm going to hit the highlights, keep it brief because of our time constraints. Anyway, I had a client call me, rehabber, very successful, doing a great job, very similar to your guys' uh, uh, um, volume. And he called me up uh, uh, frantic because he was on a rehab and a uh, solid guy, very, very intelligent. But he uh, had a worker that got really, really hurt on the project. Um, and uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, and uh, it was it, within, um, a day, within a day or two, he was already in conversation with this worker that was out there. It helped. He got him to the hospital with the the uh, landscaper and the subcontractor involved. Told him he'd take care of him, help out in any way. But within two weeks already, there's the lawsuit being prepared. And come to find out, this worker on site may have been paid under the table. He may have not have workers' comp waivers. He may have not been on the payroll directly of the landscaper. Um, there's a lot of issues and. Um, I, uh, 
I told him I'd be sharing his story with others. He was like, I get it, Mark. That's, I, I, I don't want anyone else to be in this type of situation. He's got his entity and all that. But the scary part here is, folks, is if you've got undocumented, unlicensed, uninsured workers working on these rehabs so that you can cut a corner and save a buck, it, it could blow up in your world and not only lose the money on that project, but you could lose money and lose potentially all of your assets in a terrible accident or lawsuit. Darren, Kendall, what has been your experience working with um, people on site and the risks involved? What, what, what advice do you have for our, our listeners? Oh, man, let me, I'm going to kick this off, and then I'm going to let Darren talk about the legalese because he's going to remember the form. But in the class that we teach, one of the slides that we always talk about, we say, if you think professionals are expensive, try amateurs. <laughs> and we don't, I mean, we, we follow what we've been taught. We follow what we teach. Every single person that we hire, Darren, what is that form that we have them fill out for taxes? The w, W-9. Everyone fills out a W-9. Every one of our contractors is licensed, bonded, insured. We don't have any employees in our business, so that makes it really easy for us. So all of our contractors, you know, they carry their own licensing. But uh, before I, I'll turn it over to Darren, but we have just learned in our business. We truly believe one of the things that keeps us in business is we don't cut those corners. It's, it's not worth it. Sure, you might save a couple hundred bucks here and there, but when the lawsuit comes, that couple hundred bucks isn't going to mean squat. Now, if, uh, if, you know, it's always tempting to save time by not pulling a permit or something like that. But it, frankly, is just, it's just not worth it because the people that we know of that have lost money on rehabs or fix and flips or in real estate, it is because they cut a corner, whether that was cutting corners in their education or cutting corners in their in the people they hired in doing the rehab, or they cut corners in doing the paperwork on the back end, or in their professionals. Um, you just you can't do it. Uh, you're going to have to succumb to just doing things the right way. Uh, this way, your clients, your people that invest with you, are going to feel more comfortable in inve uh, investing in your business. Uh, you also are going to keep your nose clean, and you'll be able to stay in business, uh, the, the benefits far outweigh the couple hundred dollars that you may save on the back end. You know, Darren, I'm going to piggyback comment. on what you said there, because what Darren just said is key. We're an open book to our investors. You know, that's, that is probably one of the biggest reasons why we do everything, why everything is an open book. They've got access to all the accounting. They've got access to the accounts. We have to be able to show them that we are caring for, we are protecting their investment first. They're protected first, then we go out and try to become profitable. It's not the other way around. It's not we're going to become profitable at the expense of their protection. So good call, Darren. Great, great comments, guys. And in our last uh, minute and a half here, please tell us how people can get a hold of you for education, uh, consulting support, or maybe even work with you with their retirement account. Um, what, uh, what what contact information can you guys share with us? Yeah, let me give you. I just I'll give you my cell phone. Work that. It's kind of funny. We've made millions of dollars. We still don't have a website. That's just the way we roll. But you can just call me on my cell phone. My cell phone number is nine four nine nine zero three 
3967. My name is Kendall Stock. And then you can you can email either one of us. My email is Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, at sageinvestingllc.com. And Darren, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at sageinvestingllc.com. And that's Sage, S is in Sam, A-G-E, investing, with an I-N-G, uh, LLC.com. That's it. Hey, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for finding some time to be on the show. I know that uh, Kendall had some surgery this week, too, and I know you felt a little <laughs> under the weather. We really, really appreciate it. We've got to have you back. Thank you for all you're doing for our clients and our listeners. This is just an incredible show. Well, thank you, Mark. Thanks for having us, Mark. Hey, thank you. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Uh, and folks, thank you for listening in to another uh, Mark Kohler show. <laughs> We're here every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Please put it on your calendar. Put it as a regular podcast download on your smartphone. And stay in touch. Wish you the best. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com. Mm-hmm.